talk all the latest news, previews, results, and opinions on all things happening in the racing world. This is the ARCMO Motorsports Podcast. Here's your host, Dustin Sullivan. Oh man, what a way to kick off the ARCMO Motorsports Podcast. First official episode. Uh, Episode one was a bit of a teaser just to get it out there, but wow. Motorsports world, it just unreal this week. Everything that happened in NASCAR, you know, the doubleheader in IndyCar at, at Iowa Speedway was was crazy. And even in the Formula One world, uh, just crazy how all things went. But I want to jump right in to talking NASCAR. And I have a very special guest uh, joining me uh, for this episode. And I'm sure this probably won't be the last time we have this this young man on the Artmore Motorsports podcast. One of my finest students here at Arkansas State and an absolute lover of all things motorsports, but I think especially NASCAR, Mr. Gavin Grubbs. Uh, welcome to the first long-form version episode of the Artmore Motorsports program. How are you doing today? Oh, it's an honor to be on your first episode. I'm glad I was the first student you thought of to <laughs> bring on here, and you're right. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. this was an awesome weekend for motorsports. Um, the NASCAR race is the only one I got to watch live as it was going on. And the race itself didn't seem like it was going to be too much to remember. Just a pretty standard race dominated by the two Gibbs cars. Yep. And then comes out post-race show has been off the air for an hour and a half. I'm getting ready to eat dinner. And I get an alert on my phone that says Chase Elliott was the winner of the race. And, and you're like, wait, um, how? Yeah, he, how? he led zero laps. And I was like, what happened? And the more I look, not only Denny Hamlin failed tech, but Kyle Busch didn't make it through post-race tech. And I saw a funny tweet and post by a NBC Sports said the last third-place finishing driver to win a race was Cal Naughton Jr. in 2006. <laughs> but specifically, it's been 62 years since we've had yes, in a all seriousness. qualification. And, and then it's never happened where the top two have been disqualified. And then the third place move up to win. And Chase was probably on the plane and probably didn't find out until he landed back home that he had won Pocono. I mean, like you said, it was it was a normal race, and I actually enjoy Pocono. I've been to Pocono Raceway before several years ago when IndyCar raced there. actually had a chance to go out to Winter's Circle and have my picture taken with Scott Dixon, who won that race at Pocono that year, and it's a gorgeous track to be at and it's it's so cool you know i always make the joke with my wife every time there's a a race at pocono and we're gonna watch i look at her and go hey i got a question for you where's turn four because there is no turn four (laughs) but everyone loves the turn four jokes yes everybody loves the turn four jokes so specifically nascar came out and said that denny hamlin and kyle bush after they went through tech they my understanding, they took the wrap off of the front of the car and they found extra tape on the front fascia. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Because this is, everyone's told us this is a next-gen car that you're not supposed to be touching. You're not supposed to be doing anything with. I mean, NASCAR went out this year and pretty much built the car to be as much of a spec car as possible. I mean, still, each team has their own 
quirks on how they put the cars together and obviously the sets up setups are all sure different i mean that's what makes nascar nascar is the disparity between your gibbs's and hendrix and then your rick ware racing there's going to be the disparate discrepancy between the front and the rear of the field but those the engineers at gibbs engineers at hendrick pinsky those three teams specifically seem to push the envelope of the rules more and more every year and I go back to when the uh, Gen 6 car was debuted in 2013, from 2013 to 2015, there was a lot of talk of wins that still counted, but no benefits from the encumbered wins. I remember Denny Hamlin actually had a few of those. Joey Logano had one at um, Richmond. And NASCAR pretty much said, hey, we're not doing this at all anymore. If you cheat, you don't win. And there was obviously something in the rule book that said, this is a no-no. And they broke it and i mean the rules are written like they're written it's just it's not about who breaks them it's about who gets caught breaking them exactly because these there could have been more cars out there that maybe had front tape underneath the wrap i have a suspicion that if i have a suspicion that if the um 11 and 18 were both doing it that also the 45 the 23 the 19 and the 20 were probably exactly. doing it as well You're exactly right but that's where the random choosing of the post-race inspection comes in and, it, and mm-hmm. it's probably a good thing that nascar kind of changed the policy on the inspection because back in the day they used to pick a couple of cars put them in the nascar hall or take them to the r&d center if they did that nowadays we'd only be finding out the next day or even you know i think penalties Tuesday usually Wednesdays. Come out Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, seems so like. Tuesday afternoon, you we'd be finding out right now. You'd be finding out. You know, we're we're shooting, we're recording this on a Tuesday. We'd be finding out in the old days. We'd be finding out right now that these penalties happen. So, but it also comes back to from a media standpoint. The only way you found out as a NASCAR fan that Hamlin and Kyle Busch were disqualified was social media. Or Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Those are mm-hmm. the only ways you could figure out. But it maybe speaks because, I mean, look at years ago, you had Speed Channel that might have broken in to to cover mm-hmm. that, you know, to an extent. Even, if, you know, even though the race was on NBC, they have outlets that they could have broken into. I don't think the, the, the TV side did a good enough job because in any other sport, if this happens some networks breaking in to say that it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know I actually was listening to like Fox sports radio later that night, just kind of doing some housework. And I was listening a national it, it, a na- It's a national sports radio show. That was the first thing they talked about. And they made that exact point. Why is this not a bigger story? They cheated one and then got caught. And and is the disqualify is the disqualification enough punishment in your opinion? Um, I mean, I think so because you look at the they're probably not going to get those race winnings and the total purses. I don't think been they haven't been releasing them as much in a couple of years. But you can go ahead and say that that's a just spitball in a number, probably a two or three hundred thousand dollar penalty yeah. that they're not getting True. now is. A quarter million dollars, and they're not getting any of those points. No points. So, and the and, no and they had to go back and adjust the stage points because mm-hmm. 
Kyle won stage two, if I'm correct. So now they got to get they, that stage two win to, I believe it's Ross Chastain now gets that stage one, which is huge for him. Which is huge for the playoffs because yes. the two of them, now Chase and Ross, are tied with four wins. So mm-hmm. playoff points for them is a huge deal. Yeah, and you look at the playoff points. I've actually got them pulled up right now. You've got Chase. If the playoffs started today, he would be the top. He'd be at number one with 2,040. And then Ross Chastain would be at 2,024. Now you go all the way down. Kyle Busch is only would go into the playoffs with 2,009 points. And then uh, and that Denny, has him because Kyle has two wins right now, correct? Correct. And then he has two or one. Kyle has one. Kyle has one. You're right. Kyle has yeah, one. I'm, I'm looking Denny at it has now. Two. And, and with the playoff points already accumulating, the fact that you lose a because you get a point for winning the stage, you lose that point. That it, it, it could come to, it always comes down to like one point who makes the championship four and who doesn't. So that could come mm-hmm. back to haunt either, you know, either one of them losing all these championship playoff points. Is that fourth seed to get into Phoenix is always it, it's, it's always it's crazy. It's like a last lap at the previous race. I remember the first year, the um, elimination style playoffs, Ryan Newman having to wreck some, I think Kyle Larson to make it to the finals of Homestead. Didn't want to race all year and yep. pointed his way all the way in. Exactly. So even, even if you haven't had a good season, that one point, that one point given to Ross Chastain mm-hmm. can hurt somebody other than Kyle Busch. Exactly. You're looking at that exactly. one point and that point can hurt somebody like, Ryan Blaney or even Ross Chastain, that one point taken away from Kyle Busch can hurt 15 drivers. Yep, I 100% agree. Hey, some of the other storylines that came out of the Pocono race this week. Uh, First off, you had what everybody thinks is the retribution between Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain. Do you think it's over? Because I don't think it's over yet. I don't think it's over. I've... I've been watching Denny Hamlin. His rookie season was one of the first NASCAR seasons I can remember. I've watched NASCAR my whole life, but I don't really yeah. remember anything pre-Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch era NASCAR. And he's always been that driver that he doesn't let anything – he won't let it go. No. And that can be a great thing for him, and that can be something that hurts him. But he remembers every lap of every race two or three years ago and. You look at drivers, Austin Dillon and Brad Keselowski were not happy with each other, I believe, last season, and Austin retaliated just a few weeks ago. Yep. And and, and I'll admit, Ross has has stepped up and through the media and said he's had th- some things coming to him. Uh, just some, some – I think it's a combination of maybe his a little bit of immaturity and him not knowing how to act as a driver that's on top of the – near the top of the standings. You don't I mean, drive. he's had to claw and fight his way yes. from the truck series up. I mean, yes. his best ride up until last season was a Nice Motorsports yep. truck ride. Yep. Yep. Um, but I like I said, I don't think it's over yet. I, I think those two will clash again, and it will have playoff and championship implications. I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, uh, but it does make it entertaining, in my opinion. Uh, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? Uh, do you do you think if you're a, a TV producer and TV executive at, at NBC, do you want to see those two clashing 
throughout the rest of the season. Oh, yeah. You, you want to see him clashing. Yeah. You want to see him clashing because one thing you know going into the playoffs is of aggressive drivers and NASCAR rivalries have been what's fueling every advertisement in NASCAR for the last decade. Yeah. I mean, you can't turn on a NASCAR race and see a commercial for the NASCAR playoffs or the next race without seeing Brad Keselowski and Jeff Gordon fighting at Texas on pit road or Matt Kenseth pile driving Milano and to turn one at Bristol or Martinsville. Sorry. Or, or back at, in Phoenix several years ago with Clint. It Boyer. seems like those Clint, um, Clint and Jeff, like, that, that's probably the more memorable mm-hmm. one that I have because that was a oh. chase implication says mm-hmm. that basically not Clint out of winning a championship because Jeff Gordon retaliated. Uh, the And, Clint Boyer was set up to compete for with Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards that year. Yep. Or was that Brad Keselowski? That was Brad's because Brad won that. Was I, was at, I was at ESPN was working when that happened, and I'll never forget uh, Brad winning the championship, and he was hammered <laughs> by the time that he got on the ESPN uh-huh. Sports Center that night. <laughs> he was gone. It was hilarious. We're all sitting there watching. He's got the biggest boot. A beer you've ever seen, and he's just chugging it. Woo, we did it while doing a national TV interview. Greatest thing ever, and I think only in NASCAR I I, would you I don't get away blame with you. that. No, I don't blame you. Know, you. I don't blame him no, one bit. I don't either. I don't either. Hey, the other story I want to talk on NASCAR before we maybe move on and talk a couple of other motorsport stuff. Um, Ty Gibbs coming in and filling in for Kurt Busch. Kurt wasn't cleared to race. Uh, due to an accident the previous day, uh, concussion symptoms. I thought he proved himself pretty well. Um, do we? He did we everything he needed to. He, he, he didn't wreck the car. He kept it clean and gained the, the, the owner points, which at that point is the most important thing for them, is the owner yes. points for him driving. Um, I thought he did a great job. And Ty is a, is a driver that has a bit of a, a reputation for aggressiveness, but he didn't need to do that at this time. And I thought he was spot on and they probably picked the right driver to fill in for Kurt at that time. Yes. Ty, Ty Gibbs reminds me a lot of how Logano was brought up into the cup series, just thrown right into the fire. And I know this is just Ty Gibbs's first race, but you look at him driving through the field and finishing I think after the penalties were dealt out, I think 16th. Yes, 16th. And he ran, he rode around in the back the whole first stage, which I don't blame at all. He had no practice in a cup car. No. And he wasn't, he wasn't even, he wasn't, his seat wasn't fitted. They had to turn his Xfinity hauler around Mm -hmm. to send it back to Pocono so he could have a seat in the race car. Um, This was something he wasn't prepared for. And now, Joe Gibbs Racing wasn't even prepared for. No. And they threw him in and he didn't wreck the car is the number one thing. And once he got comfortable 70, 80, 90 laps in, he started making moves and climbing through the field fast and made it from around 30th position where he'd been running the whole first stage to almost a top 15 finish in his cup debut that the car was set up for how Kurt Busch wanted it to drive. And he had no idea what a cup car was even going to do. At a track that's not an easy track to debut at either. Pocono is basically three racetracks put together <laughs> into one. Mm-hmm. So you've got to know three different tracks uh, to, to know how to drive Pocono, uh, especially on the turns. And, and then the straightaways are completely different too. Um, 
but now this weekend, uh, uh, before we move into what, what's happening this weekend with basically everybody in the same state and the same region racing, uh, IndyCar had a double header at Iowa Speedway and uh, Hy-V had put a ton of money, time and effort into improving Iowa Speedway and the racing was outstanding. And, racing and for was them great. to do a double header was awesome. Um, winning winning the first race was was Joseph Newgarden who basically took the lead. He, he, he dominated. Took the lead early on the race and didn't let it go and ended up almost lapping the entire field. And, and from a championship standpoint, that was huge. And you thought going into race two, because he he was starting second with Will Power on the pole, he, he did the same thing. He took the lead right away. And, and man, sometimes I hate commercials in sports because what happened <laughs> as soon in that second race on Sunday as NBC went to commercial, Joseph crashed from the lead, out of the race, done. And changed not only changed that race but really changed the championship as a whole in IndyCar um because the championship points was very tight yeah and and it is tied up the top still but it, it's not with Joseph Newgarden because it's he Marcus Erickson it's it's with Marcus Erickson and you've got Will Power in second now and I think if there isn't double points at Indianapolis for the 500 like they do I think we're even, we have ties at the top, mm -hmm. uh, but it's double points. And I've heard some drivers say some opinions about why are we doing double points? And IndyCar's going to say, well, it's our biggest race of the year. It's, it's the one everyone really pays attention to. You spend an entire month on one race. So it almost makes sense to offer more points because you have to put more effort into the Indy 500 than any mm -hmm. other race. Um, Fortunately, Joseph's okay. I don't know if you had heard, but um, shortly after he did his interview for TV, he went back to his hauler and he actually collapsed um, and mm -hmm. hit his head. And due to precaution and due to the fact that it was after the race was over and traffic was crazy because people were trying to leave, they actually airlifted him to Des Moines, Iowa, um, to the hospital there for evaluation and testing. And mainly because they also, they didn't have the imaging testing at the track to just check him and make sure he's okay. Uh, but I do know this, that if he cannot drive at Indy at the road course this weekend, Santino Ferrucci will be filling in for him. Um, Santino's known as a wild, as a very aggressive driver. Um, he's actually supposed, I think he's supposed to race Xfinity this weekend, but um, there's a chance he may not be doing that. He'll jump right into the Indy car to replace um, Joseph. But we got to mention that second winner, somebody that uh, the Sunday winner, Pato Award of uh, McLaren. Last year's champion. Do what? Last season's champion. Yes. Uh, no, that was um, Alex Pillow's last season's champion. I'm sorry. No, you're good. They, I get them all mixed up all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> They're all over the place. Uh, but that brings up the interesting point. If you've heard the story about Alex Pillow, apparently mm -hmm. he's trying to be teammates with Pato next year at McLaren. But Chip Canassi's going, wait a minute, you've got one more year left on your deal. What are your thoughts on a driver? After, and even before that, go back, Chip Canassi announced that he was coming back for 2023. He comes out and says, no, I didn't give them that comment. And then not just Errol McLaren SP, the IndyCar team, McLaren Racing as a whole said, we've signed Alex Pillow. 
thoughts because I think Polo is committing some career suicide the way he's handled all this. It's very is was he officially signed with Ganassi or did yeah, Ganassi so he, come out? And he say he, he one had one more. He has one more year left on his deal with one Ganassi more. Okay, in twenty twenty three. So basically, he is technically signed with two teams, but you can't do that. Mm. And it just blows my mind that a driver would would not at least check with honor the, a contract. The, honor not necessarily honor a contract. But shouldn't he at least have talked to his owner and be like, hey, I want to move on. I see greener pastures, which, again, blows my mind. He's the defending IndyCar champion. Why would you want to leave your team after you just won a championship and you're still vying for another one the next year? It's not like he wasn't in contention to win the title this year. He still was. Is there any potential that he's wanting to move to McLaren to settle in, maybe get a future F1 ride? I think that is possible. Um, there's a lot of talk about Daniel Ricardo over an F1 with McLaren, if he's going to continue beyond next year. But you hear that about IndyCar drivers all the time. You hear that, uh, you know, Alex Pillow has been mentioned. Colton Herta is a name in IndyCar that everybody says is going to F1, especially if, Andretti Autosport gets their deal done with, with Formula One and Liberty Media and they actually get to create a team, there's no way they can't take Colton Herta because he would be a perfect fit. And he actually just recently tested an F1 car for McLaren at Portimao. So he's stepping up there, but McLaren in their press release did not say where Alex Plo was going to be racing in 2023 with them. Didn't say if it was going to be with the IndyCar team. Didn't say if it was going to be Formula 1. It could have been with the Formula E or whatever else they have in terms of racing. But why would you do that when you're the defending IndyCar champion, still vying, and you still have a, a deal left with Canassi Racing, which is top two in IndyCar. When you think IndyCar teams, you think Penske, Penske and Ganassi. Thoughts? I, I, I'm curious just as a, as a generic motorsports fan, a driver doing something like that just doesn't seem right. The only thing I can think of is if he's not happy with um, Ganassi or maybe some of his teammates or executives that he may be on a personal level is the only thing I can think of. And a lot of times if you're a driver or if you're an executive, a team owner, some things like that, you don't want to be leaked because both parties would, it would hurt both parties. Yeah. If that uh, information got out that yeah, but he, maybe he's, it's on a personal level. It's the only thing I can think of that yeah. even makes sense. But other than that, I don't know why you would be under contract for a year, won a championship the season before and say, yeah, I'm going to go to a team who's running three or four positions worse than us on a weekly yeah. level. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't McLaren understand SB that. is a good IndyCar team. They're coming up. Dude, they're, they're a good team. They're a good team, and they've gotten better. I think their wake-up call moment was Fernando Alonso not making the Indy 500 a few years ago when he got knocked mm -hmm. out in last chance qualifying by a Juncos Racing driver, by Juncos Racing, knocked mm -hmm. out a McLaren car. They really woke them up, and then that's when they, they combined their efforts with um, Schmidt-Peterson motorsport and they're definitely on the rise and getting better but i still don't know if i feel like they're a championship level team no no 
I don't think so yet. And and they probably Ganassi is. And the thing is, Errol McLaren already has an agreement with Alexander Rossi. So they were gonna have Rossi. They were trying to have Rossi, Polo, and Pato. Where does that leave Felix Rosenquist? Where do, do they transfer him? And he's actually been running pretty well as of late at races. Mm-hmm. It just Polo made a bad move. He should have waited one more year because now there's a chance that I've even heard rumors of. I don't know his. Ganassi just contacts. saying, I'm going to sit you out for a year. That's career suicide know. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's and crazy. I think it was who was it you said was would be out of a ride if all this happened. It would be Felix Rosenquist. And one thing about Felix Felix Rosenquist is especially Ganassi is Scott Dixon isn't getting any younger. No. No. I mean, he's still a great and driver. Rosenquist and... has been in those in the in he he raced for Ganassi before he made the move to Errol McLaren, mm-hmm. so he he knows mm-hmm. the 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 system setup. Hey, Pelot doesn't even. I, I I heard them talk about it on the broadcast. Pelot doesn't even have outside access to data now at Ganassi. Like he can't. He if he has if he wants data, you know, race data and in car data, he has to go to the Ganassi shop now. He does not have outside access to anything. They have shunned him for this. And I don't blame him. I don't blame Chip one bit. And Chip, Chip's going to fight it. And it's not a Ganassi versus McLaren thing. It's mm-hmm. Alex Pelot just not being smart and not no. doing things the right way. So uh, did you get a chance to watch any Formula One? Um, um, I just finished watching the highlights. Yeah, uh, crazy race. If, if Charles Leclerc doesn't have bad luck, he doesn't have any luck at all. <laughs> no. Uh, he, I, I don't know, but I, I think at the end of the day, Max Verstappen is just going to end up running away with the championship, but definitely a rebound weekend for Mercedes going two and three. Um, good for Lewis seems Hamilton. Little, mm-hmm. It seems the last month Mercedes is really – gotten their act together and i'm not sure if they're obviously not championship contenders for this season no but hamilton can and russell can win races this year i understand and agree I 100% both agree. of them i think yeah, i believe I, both of them can win a race and i would go down and say that lewis hamilton will will run, win one if not two races before the end of the season. Yeah, because the tracks that, that are coming up after the summer break are are tracks that Mc, that Mercedes traditionally have have run very well at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Lewis is probably just more relaxed than he's probably ever been because there's not a whole lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. because he's not fighting for a championship. So I think he will be motivated for the wins and to give themselves momentum going into the next year. Because when you get towards the end of that season and you're not fighting for a championship, your team's already getting ready for the next season because – once their season ends, they've got a couple of month break, and then they go right into preseason testing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but like I said, Max Verstappen won that race at France. Um, Red Bull looks looks on their way to not only a drivers' championship again, but a but maybe even the 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 constructors' title, which hasn't been taken away from Mercedes in eight years which is huge for Red Bull because that takes them back to the days when they had Sebastian Vettel and um, Mark Webber winning team titles for them. Um, But before we wrap up this week's edition, 
Uh, like I mentioned, you've got IndyCar and NASCAR at the same track at the glorious internet uh, in Indianapolis Motor Speedway, not going around the oval, but the road course. IndyCar loves that road course. Um, but I think last year proved that NASCAR could actually put an entertaining race on the road course. Um, what are you looking forward to about, about the weekend? Uh, basically, everybody is at the same track. Um, well, it's not even on the racetrack, but off the racetrack. What really excites me is Jimmy Johnson getting to be back around NASCAR again. Yeah, good point. It's just That's just fun. Is Jimmy's going to be around a lot of his old peers, a lot of the same media that he's actually used to for the last 20 years of his life. And I just think that's going to bring you some comfort, which might translate to more success on the track. He, I'm not saying he's going to go out and win. No. But no. a top 10 at a road course for Jimmy Johnson is something that's doable. And I would look for him to have not a winning weekend, but a successful weekend. Yeah, he needs to run top 10, top 15 for it to be successful because his road course record is not good. Is but he finished not we, good. we didn't even mention that about about the the second race. He finished top Coming 5 top for five. the first time. For the first time in his IndyCar career and I know it's only 2 years now. He finished in the top 5 and he looked so comfortable on that track when when most guys would not dare take the line that he did on the outside where all all the you know rubber on the track has been pushed up there, and, if, and a lot of drivers get up there, they can't handle their car very well. Jimmy's like, eh, I'll go up there and just start making passes like crazy. Uh, but at some point, these oval results for him need to also translate to the road courses because there's more of those in IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just excited, like you said, uh, seeing Jimmy around, but I, I think just inundating NASCAR drivers into IndyCar and then vice versa. It's just good for most. I'm just going to help with viewership for both both races. I uh, 110% agree. And, and you know, NBC is going to do a fantastic job with the coverage. I mean, they, they're going to – they're putting all their chips into this weekend because they've got both of their race crews there to do everything. Um, it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um and I think you're not going to know from a NASCAR side who's going to win because it's it's a new car on a new track, on something different. Um, a I new think, car, new track, something different. Track record says Joey Logano. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, no, 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 gateway, personal, no personal motivation there, right, Gavin? No personal <laughs> motivation. I'm just speaking on Bristol Dirt, the yes. LSA Coliseum, yes. and no, you're exactly right. Gateway, all three. You're I exactly mean, right. Joey is is the man when it comes to racing on something new. He is he is he is your betting your odds favorite at that. And point. one interesting thing that I will add to that point is you look at the weekly lifestyle and the social media of certain drivers. You look at all four Hendrick drivers, Christopher Bell, and a few other drivers. They're at a racetrack almost seven days a week. Yep. And then there's some guys who are you know not necessarily older, but in probably the second half of their career, like your Logano's, Harvick's, Keselowski's, who they're more five days of the week, they're at home, they're with their family, they're spending quality time. And I think when they're going to a new track, I think that evens that playing field for those guys, for the guys that are honed in on tracks that they've been to and been on a simulator six days a week, they're ready for the normal, but mm-hmm. you throw them something that they've never seen before, 
and your guys that are a experienced level-headed and just overall they're happy with their career those guys that i just listed they have nothing left in their career to prove exactly and they all three first ballot hall of famers at this point yep you're exactly right. have over 30 race wins all have a championship they have nothing to prove so they go in every weekend relaxed whereas a lot of younger guys go in i'm not gonna say overthinking but they're calculating every single decision on the racetrack every lap they're not relaxed no no you're exactly right I think this weekend you'll you'll see a lot. I think the coverage will be fantastic. We've got two racing series at the same track, both in, in the heat of their championship runs. You know, NASCAR, the Cup Series has, including this, I believe, five races before the playoffs. And, of course, IndyCar mm-hmm. just goes, you know, their championship is throughout the entire year. But but just to say you won at Indy, too, is, is massive. Uh, yeah, I... For it doesn't matter if it's the road course format or not. It's still a win at Indy. Yep. You still get to go up there. And 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 if you haven't had a chance to go up there, I, of course, I've been up there, you know, I've attended three Indy 500s. Um, and it's just awesome to see, especially going in this year, all the improvements that uh, Roger Penske made, who now owns the racetrack, all the improvements he made to the facility. Um, this will be. Roger Penske is brilliant. Oh, he's Super brilliant. I think he, is, he, is, he has saved motorsports in this country. And I don't know if you've been to um, Penske Racing to their shop before, but no. it is. It's if it's if India is anything like that, I guarantee you there is not anything out of place and everything is spotless clean. How, it but that that race shop at Penske is, I would, I would eat off the floors, <laughs> in in a place where they are building in a place with. A couple hundred employees that are building race cars. Race I would cars, eat off the board. and you've got oil and fuel mm-hmm. everywhere around. Yes, it says a lot, and it says a lot for mm-hmm. the professionalism of, of Roger and mm-hmm. what he's built. Um, and then for him to expand that to taking over IndyCar, which basically took over Indy Lights, which was huge. It brought back the scholarship program in Indy Lights to give the championship driver a chance to race in IndyCar. And then to take over a track that still was one of the best in the world, but to improve it even more and to make it more fan-friendly is massive. So I think fans there and then fans watching will have an experience uh, they've never had. And and no, there won't be the 300,000 that they're there for the 500, but I think attendance will be awesome. And I think you're going to see three races with IndyCar, the Xfinity and the Cup Series. I think you're going to see three races that will not disappoint. Uh, what are your final thoughts? What do you hope to see uh, for the weekend? I think the racing is going to be really good on the NASCAR side. I mean, it's a road course, and a lot of the corners are low speed, low speed corners. Yes, long straighter. You're going to see a lot of dive bombs, a lot of passes that in these heavier cars with the Gen Seven cars seem to have a little touchier brakes. They mm-hmm. seem to lock up easy. You're going to see a lot of action in those passing corners i think yeah and another thing is what brilliant job nascar and indycar did scheduling this and towards the end of summer when there are no other major sports going on yep you got baseball the summer league is watching baseball anyway but to everybody's watching baseball but it's it's after the all-star break the nfl preseason hasn't started yet the summer league is over 
it just the summer this part of the summer is for motorsports and if you're somebody listening to this and you're not a huge motorsports fan this is your weekend to be this one. is the weekend to watch because you get to see different types of cars run the exact same track and you don't get to see that anywhere else except no. for this weekend it, mm-hmm. it's the perfect time well that will wrap it up for the artmo motorsports podcast episode two well we had a lot to talk about and it, it has been an absolute blast uh gavin i can't thank you enough for joining me i uh, i guarantee this won't be the last time you and i get to do something like this uh like i said oh, thank you for, for having me on episode, so this is awesome this this show is going to be about me and my students having fun so uh, again thank you gavin for for everything and for everybody listening uh hit that subscribe button get a listen you'll hear more from arcmo motorsports in the coming days take it easy everybody